I thought, quite honestly, that I had dealt with the grief, right? And I realized really quickly, <laughs> I had not. Um, there was so much still buried inside of me. And so there were times where I wasn't even sure I was going to be able to make it through my speech. And so it was like, okay, so if I'm going through this and I thought I dealt with it, how many other people out there? And the more I looked into it, the more I realized what a huge impact our society and our culture has on how we deal with grief. And that got this like fire in my belly just started going, no, people need to be able to grieve. We are in a society where every single person will experience grief at some point in their lives. Hello, welcome to Monetizing Mompreneurs podcast where I take you behind the scenes with industry leaders, entrepreneurs, moms, working professionals, and amazing people pursuing their passions and going for their dreams. And I'm your host, Linda Mendable. In 2008, Margaret's love of human connection was shaken by the loss of her son, twin brother to her daughter, Lily, when he was three years old. Rocked to her core, she immersed herself in her event management business and the custom trim company she owned. After a complete emotional breakdown, she realized that women can't just make grief go away the way society expects them to. In 2020, she founded Evolve, a coaching company to help women around the world honor their lives, emotions, and businesses while gracefully handling everything life throws at them. And she was determined to help her clients create their best lives, full of balance, passion, and purpose. Her 2021 TEDx talk opens the door to explore grief and inspired her to develop a transformational methodology that guides women in moving from messy through functional to empowered grief. Margaret supports individuals and companies through one-on-one -on -one coaching, team coaching, motivational speaking, customized workshops, and creating grief plans to help their employees who are suffering. Personal growth junkie and lover of funky shoes, Margaret loves road tripping with Lily and their mini, I am going to butcher that, mini Bernadoodle. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, Margaret, I am so sorry for your loss. And, but I just see such light with you so thank you so much for being here on the show and yes I did this introduction with Margaret being here she heard me through the whole thing <laughs> I you did great that, you did great uh, thank you so much so so Margaret tell us a little bit about your background and and where you started oh goodness so I have a a very diverse background. I came to coaching only three years ago, but I have a background in event management, sales and marketing. And all throughout my career, I've always gravitated towards coaching and supporting and helping people become the best that they can be. I always took on leadership roles and management roles within the companies that I worked with. I've had two other companies in the past as well. I did an event management company where I created because I had clients knocking on my door while I was on mat leave were saying they still wanted to work with me. So that I created out of, I guess, necessity <laughs> to be able to work with the clients. And I closed that down. And then I had another company with my ex-husband for about four and a half years. And I've always been an entrepreneur by heart. Always love to be able to have an impact 
and follow what brings me joy and my purpose, which is what I like to do with my clients now, really help the women that I work with, because I work primarily with female entrepreneurs and leaders within their field to create their best life and really acknowledge where they're out of balance and, and help them find their passion and their purpose so that they can truly enjoy their lives. I've heard so many people talk over the years about, oh, I can't wait till I retire and then I get to do what I want. Well, why do you have to wait? Why can't you start creating that life for you before retirement, which is what I'm on a mission to do for myself, which is why I got into coaching and I have my own business and I absolutely love what I do. As we were talking just before we started, you know, this is something that I could do 24 seven and not get tired. I love it. And so in being able to be that support person and that coach and that person in their corner to help them create lives for themselves that are just really ticking off all the boxes and, and giving women a really strong sense of, of doing what they love to do and living their best lives is really exciting for me. And the grief aspect, I do do a lot of grief education and I am a grief coach as well. As you explained, I have my own sort of grief experience. Losing my son was one of them and watching my daughter flourish is amazing and reminds me about how precious life is. I've had other things happen throughout my life. I'm divorced. I suffered six years of infertility. I've lost all my grandparents and an uncle. And so a lot of loss around death for me, but we can talk about this a little bit later, but there's grief is so much more than just death. And so when I did my TED talk last year, I talked about grief through the eyes of my child. So watching my daughter grow up knowing about it and understanding that she'd lost a brother and, and observing how she, how she grieved so differently from how we as adults grieve in our society. So that actually inspired me to create a methodology, a transformational methodology that I use with the women that I coach to help move them through their grief and figure out ways to cope with it that's really genuine and authentic to them. So I think that answered your question. <laughs> I, I mean, I have so many questions and I am so mm -hmm. sorry for your loss and, and what you've gone through in your life. You know, we all go through tough things that are tough emotionally and sometimes mm -hmm. it could stay in our bodies and be tough physically and could be mentally draining and really mm -hmm. affect us right? the way that we show up and the way that we have relationships, right? And 100%. Whether we want to continue having relationships or want to continue opening up those avenues of connection you know with people so I, I can definitely understand how grief can hinder us in ways and but also liberate us in other ways when we find a way to cope with it that best suits us in a, in a healthy manner and I like what you said about your daughter that that she really helped you build that methodology on mm -hmm. how to move past grief so I have a couple of questions and the first one, I'm going to go with the first one. And that is, how did you know this was your it thing? Like, how did you know, like, this is what you wanted to do? Well, a few different ways. One, it just, everything seemed to start lining up in front of me about, you need to talk here. You need to talk here. And the more I talked to people about, you know, stepping into the grief space, the more support I got around. When I talked, I was approached by a few magazines to write for them because they liked what I was putting on social media. And so they talked to me about what I do. And as soon as the grief piece came up, they're like, oh my goodness, you need to write about grief. And so it was, it's partly been the external support that I've been getting, but also internally when I was doing research for my speech for the Ted talk last year, I really dove into the area of grief because I wanted to learn more about it. And I thought quite honestly that I had dealt with the grief 
right? And I realized really quickly, <laughs> I had not, there was so much still buried inside of me. And so there were times where I wasn't even sure I was going to be able to make it through my speech. And so it was like, okay, so if I'm going through this and I thought I dealt with it, how many other people out there? And the more I looked into it, the more I realized what a huge impact our society and our culture has on how we deal with grief. And that got this like fire in my belly just started going, no, people need to be able to grieve. We are in a society where every single person will experience grief at some point in their lives. And it may be catastrophic and it may just be a little, a few little experiences, but we'll all experience it. And we don't have a culture that supports that. You go into, you know, Latin American culture and they have the day of the dead and they surround the community and it's a village and they all mourn together and they support one another and grieving is allowed. Here in North America, our society, I'm going to be honest, it sucks at supporting people who are grieving. It's not okay six months after losing your husband to say you're still sad and to, for people to still find you sitting in your pajamas in your kitchen after three days of, you know, not changing because grief is individual and is unique and we all mourn in different ways and we just have a society that first of all doesn't really give us space to grieve it gives us very limited space you know if you're at work you might get three to five days off to go bury your husband or your child or your parent and if they're outside of that immediate family relationship you get less time doesn't mean your grief is any less but you get less time and then they expect you to come back and be that person that you were before and you're not you're never the same person and so i think there was this fire inside of me that's like i just want to educate people around grief i want to let people know that you know it, it's not a one and done you don't get over grief ever <laughs> grief lives in your body forever and it's how do you choose to move forward with it and for some people it's really hard to make that choice because you're you're stuck in the in the intensity of the grief but just educating people that everybody's experience is different you and I could both experience the same thing and we will internally experience it very differently and so that makes it kind of hard to pinpoint how do you help and how do we support because everybody needs something different but what I've learned is one of the best things we can do is just sit there and let people feel. And so often we push down the feelings of grief because we get told, be brave, be strong. Oh, it'll just take time, which quite honestly is a load of crap. You're okay with me being blunt. But when people told me to be brave and be strong, when I, they said, oh, you're so strong and be brave when I lost my son because I had my, my infant daughter to look after as well. I didn't want to hear that. I didn't want to be brave in the midst of grief. I didn't want to be strong. I wanted others to help support me. I literally wanted to go sit in the corner, rock and cry till forever because it was such a devastating loss. And when people are telling you to be brave and be strong, they're saying it for themselves. They're not saying it for the person who's grieving because in their brain, if you go into the physical reactions around grief, when you suffer a grief experience you go right into your limbic system your reptilian system which is all emotional based and it's a fight or flight response so when you see someone who's grieving <laughs> that's a threat to you because you're like i don't want to feel that and that could happen to me and i don't want to feel that vulnerable and your emotions are kind of freaking me out right now so i'm going to say something that i think is going to help and going to tell my brain that's going to help so i'm going to tell them to be brave and be strong because if they can be brave and be strong and I don't have to deal with it. So we project our own, it's all very subconscious, but it's a gut reaction, it's what we do. And 
so yeah, it's just, it's grief is a very complex thing and we all experience it, but we don't talk about it. We don't like being vulnerable. We don't like feeling the hard emotions. And there's a big fear from a lot of people that, you know, they're afraid they're going to cry forever. Well, you won't, <laughs> you'll cry for a long time, but you won't cry forever. There will come a stopping point where you'll be able to fall asleep or you'll be able to not cry for the whole day. You can cry for half the day you know, and things will move through time, but it never goes away. And I think we just don't have enough open conversations around grief. And so that's really what's driving me forward. And in this space is to really educate and help both individuals and companies understand what grief is, because there's a really big push right now and to support mental health within the companies, you know, they all talk about stress and depression and anxiety. And those are great. You know, we need to acknowledge those, but have you dug a little deeper to find out where they're coming from? <laughs> quite often you dig deep enough and there is an element of grief and that is something that isn't really recognized so yeah it's just it's really for me it's getting it out and being having the awareness around it and how to help people amen yeah I can I can totally see your passion <laughs> and your love for you know this I guess almost like a taboo talk right mm -hmm. around grief you hardly hear about it you know and it's something that I think because it triggers a lot of like emotions and, you know, like you were saying, you know, people are telling you to be brave and, and all that. That's not something that you want to hear when you're grieving, right? Because no. it's not about being brave. How can you be great, brave when you've lost something? It's not about bravery in that moment. It's about the loss, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's not just about what you physically lost but also what you emotionally lost and you know and all of the aspects that come in that loss and mm -hmm. so I can see why society now is like you know and companies are more open to discussing mental health because I mean a lot of people have taken the shutdowns and taken what has happened and you know that I don't even like talking about mm -hmm. <laughs> what that has happened mm -hmm. but the reality yeah you know, there's a reality in our world of what has happened and how it affects mm -hmm. us and how we're looking towards the future and uncertainty of things and how we were, we probably felt more secure in one area and now things are up in the air. And so there's a grieving to that, right? And so it affects our productivity, it affects the way we show up, it affects the mm -hmm. way we do our jobs and communicate with others. So I can honestly see why they're paying more attention to that. Mm -hmm. And which is, which is, you know, it's, it's two, it's like two sides to a coin, right? There's good and bad with, with all of that. Right. But I want to go into like your methodology that you were talking about and, you know, okay. excuse me that I kind of did not say <laughs> the full term correctly. because That <laughs> is okay. a mouthful, but, <laughs> but I want to go into like what you saw in your daughter that's mm -hmm. like you know how did you see her through the grieving process like what really caught your eye through that how did she process that yeah that's a great question so watching my daughter I think the first memory I really have of her understanding what death was because when kids are really little they like one or two they don't really understand death and, and that but I think she was probably around three and a half or four and we always talked about her brother. We always talked about Isaac and we would talk about what is he doing up in heaven and I wonder what he's doing. And there were some days I'd walk into her room 
and she'd be laughing and playing on the floor. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm playing with Isaac, you know, like in her mind, he was her imaginary friend. He was this person or he, she, you know, felt him there. And then there came a day where we were talking about him and she just stopped and she looked at me and she said, mommy, is Isaac dead? And I said, yes, honey, he is. And she collapsed in my arms and just sobbed because the reality she understood death now like she had the concept both of her great grandfathers died when she was fairly young and she had gone to the funerals and so I think now her concept of death she understood that they were gone forever and the so when the penny dropped for her about what death really meant it was really really emotional we both sat on her bed and cried and then from that point on she was so open about her grief like she would just come and curl up with me and start crying and I'd be like what's wrong honey and she's like I'm just thinking about Isaac and I really wish he was here and I said yeah me too but I would give her that space to cry and then it was the questions and it was trying to understand it like why where is he and what is he doing and and all why did he die mommy and all of these things and it was a lot of questions but then it was this deep inner like warrior spirit inside of her that was just like yeah he was my brother and so she wasn't afraid to talk about her grief either or talk about her brother. Whereas, you know, when people asked me for a long time, they say, oh, do you have any other children or do you have any children? I say, yes, I have a daughter. Now I say I have a daughter and a son. And because I was for a long time, I was afraid to talk about him because I didn't want to burst into tears in the grocery line and I didn't want to burst into tears at work. And you know, I had enough crying that little things would set me off. But my daughter, I remember clear as day, we were in the grocery store lineup, an innocent question, right? The clerks looked at her and said, hey, do you have any brothers or sisters? She's like, yeah, I had a brother, but he died. Like, but in, and I, then I had to go into, I was in all of a sudden, I was switched into protective mode, not about her, but the clerk, because she had this look on her face, like, oh my God, what did I just say? I just asked a question. Now I'm, and, and the uncomfortableness of grief just surfaced right there. And I had to apologize. I said, no, 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 it's okay. You know, he died a long time ago. I had to try and make her feel better. And I thought, when I look back on that, I think I shouldn't have had to do anything in that moment. And, but, you know, we're not trained on how to react to it either, right? So watching my daughter go through it, like she is such a beautiful soul and she's empathetic and she's emotional and she's so connected to her emotions and she can articulate, like she blows my mind with how well she can articulate her feelings. And, but just watching her go through it with this fierceness of, I'm going to cry when I want to cry. I'm going to talk about it when I want to talk about it. I'm gonna, I don't care what other people think. And it was that whole thing of I'm going to do what I need to do to feel better and to grieve the loss of my brother. And so watching her go through that was incredible. And I'll tell you one other story about her that just honestly, I'm the most proud mom. She had a, a friend of hers that was a year younger than her. He was 10. She was 11. They were friends since she was two. And he got diagnosed with brain cancer when he was four. Oh, no. And so they were friends through all of this for six years. And he went through like multiple surgeries and chemo and radiation and, and, but they were friends through the whole thing. And he passed away in February, 2020. Oh, I'm so At, sorry. Thanks. It was a very sad time. He was 10 
And my daughter, it happened on a Thursday. We found out on the Friday and she came home from school on the Monday and said, mom, I wrote my speech. And I said, what'd you write your speech for? And she's like, for Wyatt's funeral. And I said, you're going to talk. And she said, yeah. And I was like, she was 11. And I said, okay, let me check with his parents. And I checked with them and they're like, for sure. She was his best friend, of course. And my daughter stood up in front of two rooms of people and spoke about her friend. And to me, I'm just like, what an honor that she did. Yeah. And she was 11, 11. And she honored she him. She honored she him. She honored him. Yeah. Yes. And it was just this strength and this recognition that he needed to be honored. And she wanted to. And like, I was a complete basket case that day, but she was the one with the strength. And it was amazing to see that in a child. And she, she has her own story from her birth too. But it was just... It was empowering to watch, like for her to be feel so empowered to deal with grief the way she wants to deal with it. I don't know what other 11 year old, do you know, comes home and says, mom, I want to talk at my friend's funeral. That doesn't happen. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Yeah. So watching her grow up with grief has been a huge learning experience for me. And I have such respect and admiration and love for her. And all the lessons that she's taught me about grief. And it's certainly made my experience with grief now when it comes up. I deal with it a lot more, a lot differently than I used to. And I help support other women do the same. Yeah, that's really, really beautiful how you can see that you've learned so much about, you know, by your daughter. Because I do learn from my kids so much, you know, with their own mm -hmm. personalities, the way they go through life, the way they deal with challenges. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when my brother passed away and we are you know 11 months apart we we're like Irish twins and Sorry. he passed away in 2019 before everything happened you know 2020 for 2020 yeah before 2020 yeah <laughs> oh my goodness right we should do mm -hmm. a like there should be like a like a abbreviation of work of letters yeah you know, there <laughs> with the 2020 <laughs> <laughs> yeah just so we know where we're at <laughs> mm -hmm. but uh, my sister was the one who was brave enough to do the speech and so I understand you know just being in that grieving moment and just knowing that I didn't have you know what it took to stand up there and talk because I was still processing there was a lot of things that I, that I felt like were my fault on certain things just because you think like you can prevent certain things right mm -hmm. you feel like mm -hmm. you can prevent something like maybe I should have been there more I should have called more I should have maybe if I would have called that moment that situation would never happen that way xyz right we mm -hmm. go through all these different mm -hmm. we do we do and you know I'm still processing I'm still going through all that I'm still having a lot of like I could have done something better, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I could have done something more, I could have done better, more, whatever. And, you know, but she was brave enough to go, uh, you know, and she was, she's, I'm a child of four, we're four of us, and I'm the oldest. And then it was my brother, and then it was Brenda, my other sister, and then my little baby sister, Lena. And so when Brenda, Brenda was the one who decided to do this and she asked us she's like hey I got I got a speech prepared mm -hmm. and you know can I go up from we were like please do please do and in that moment she, it was so beautiful and I think it's special when someone has that courage to make that speech 
to mm -hmm. honor someone because you know there were many people that came up and spoke and everything like that I just couldn't do it because mm -hmm. I was still just processing the whole thing and I was the one who went to the church who was doing some of the negotiations you mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. speaking with everyone what are we going to play what are we going to you know so I did yeah. that part they sent me like as you know because they couldn't handle it they're like no yeah. we can't do it Linda so that's the part that I stepped into which was mm -hmm. very hard it mm -hmm. was so difficult yeah and so I was just wrecked with mm -hmm. every with that with that moment with that situation and just so it was it was almost like living in a very surreal moment and everything mm -hmm. I can remember every single moment you know just because it was so unreal you know mm -hmm. you know this person's life and you know like it was just so unreal and you know I just think that that's truly beautiful what your daughter did honoring her friend she could have gone such a different direction mm -hmm. she went she went, even though they seem to be brave, she yeah. displayed bravery instead of saying, you know, instead of someone saying, be brave, and then you have to mm -hmm. do this facade of bravery. Like, no, you're where you're at, how you are, and it's okay, right? Mm -hmm. How you're feeling, it's okay. The way that you're processing, it's totally okay, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't think we, I don't think we get told that, like, it's okay, you know, like, no. And, and people, we don't get told that alienate. very often. No, mm -hmm. people alienate themselves, right? They, they disappear mm -hmm. because they don't know what to say, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? Because I think that I think one of my loneliest places was in my grieving moments. And that's when we really need more community than ever before. Mm -hmm. But that was my experience. But I went yeah. off in a tangent. But <laughs> no, bringing it okay. back, and I want to discuss, I guess, like the method, method of, mm -hmm methodology the method let's just say method, <laughs> the method. yes that's we'll awesome call, call it the transformation method <laughs> the transformation method yeah and yeah because I don't think I'm 100% over you know because I'm I already feel drained I already feel a bit mm -hmm. down just speaking about grief you mm -hmm. know and everything like mm -hmm. that you know but these are conversations yeah they can be draining but these are conversations that must be had, you know? And yeah, so 100 yeah, take us through, through your method. So through watching my daughter and sort of doing some more research and stuff, I figured I, I had a look and I said, well, as you know, all of us go through this, but I, I've, I've tried to position it around women because that's who I work with. And there's the initially that messy stage of grief where you're numb your your brain takes over they call it grief brain so you know when you've got mommy brain and you're confused and you're tired and all of those things that's the same thing that happens when you experience extreme grief you get grief brain so you're tired you can't make decisions you're confused it's and it's like a coping mechanism and you switch into survival mode right so those first couple of weeks say someone's passed away you know, and you would have experienced this with your brother. Those first couple of weeks, you're on survival mode. You're doing what you have to do. You're really not dealing with the sadness. You might, you'll have moments, but you are just plowing through, right? And then, and that's normal. That's what we do. It's, it's how we respond. Our body kicks into survival mode and we move forward, but we're really not aware of what's going on around us, except for what's right in front of us. So I actually went through anger that's when common. I was told, when I was mm -hmm. told, I was angry with the person that told me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh man. Because of the, uh, I felt like even though it was in a, the way they, they delivered the news was not ideal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was not ideal. It was just, 
And so I did, you know, in all honesty, and you know, I apologize for feeling that feeling, but in all honesty, I dealt with anger. I did, yeah. you know, and I don't well, feel great about about it, you know. But it was. Well, just let me circle. Let me circle back to that right now because one of the things that I am a huge supporter of is there are no right or wrong feelings in, in in grief. So if you felt anger, that's okay. You're allowed to be angry. You're allowed to be resentful. You're allowed to feel relief. You're allowed to feel bitter. You're allowed to feel sad. You are allowed to feel any feeling that comes up for you because it's your feeling. And what happens is if you deny it or feel guilty about feeling that way, those feelings don't get expressed and they get pushed down and eventually they come out in other ways. Like you're snappy, you know, you're really short-tempered with family members or, or whatever. You don't sleep very well. You get headaches. Your health isn't so great. You're having trouble making decisions. And a lot of that is all of this compressed, compounded feelings. And it's not just sadness. It's whatever feelings come up. I've had women come to me who've said, you know, like, my spouse died, but he was an alcoholic. So I felt, I felt really sad that he's gone, but I felt really relieved. And as soon as I felt relieved, I felt guilty. And then I couldn't tell anybody I felt that way because I thought they'd think I was a bad person. Well, the reality is your feelings are your feelings and they deserve to be honored and expressed. And you can choose which way, like in general, people can choose how they express those feelings. That means you have to feel them on your own. Okay. But if you feel like you have a trusted person, you can talk to them about, talk about them and let yourself feel them. Because if you don't let yourself feel them, they're just going to fester. So a lot of what happens in messy grief is those feelings start to percolate. We feel all the feelings. We feel all the feelings. And so we go from this real physical reaction to grief because there are actual like neurochemicals released in our brain that, that cause that grief brain and put us into survival mode. And, you know, those are the days where we'll be in our pajamas for two weeks straight without having a shower or getting changed, right? Those are the times where we're going to dive into that grief and we're not going to be ourselves and we're not really going to take care of ourselves. And so in the messy stages, the initial stages where we're really not feeling like we're in control of what's going on with us, right? We're just surviving. And that's when people drop off casseroles, which are oh so helpful. And, <laughs> and I say that in a very tongue in cheek manner. I got a ton of casseroles. I appreciated the casseroles, but in the grand scheme of things, they do nothing for making me feel better, except for the fact that I know I don't have to. But as a society, we express our concern through food, right? I don't know how to express that I care. So I'm going to bring you something to eat, which is great. Yeah. Yes, you know, like, yes. and so I've done that. I've done <laughs> Me that. too. I, and I've done I that have too, brought, too. I remember I had a friend, she went through a miscarriage. I brought her food. I just, mm -hmm. I didn't know how, what else to do. I was like, mm -hmm. I'm just yeah. going to give you some food. Yeah. You know, like, and that's as a society, that's what we do. We try and express how we care through food and great, you know, express your care. And that's great. It is there are, I'll, I'll be honest, there were times where I'd pull something out of the fridge and just grab a fork and eat it right out of there because I knew I needed to eat something and I couldn't think to, to cook. So yes, there is a place for the casseroles. And I think for people who really don't know what to do, that that's what they do to show that they care. But I mean, I feel like I won up the casserole because I did Chick-fil-A. I mean, there you go. Wow. See, you won up it for sure. So <laughs> but moving through the, the methodology so you're in this messy grief which is very physical it's very draining it's very survival oriented 
But then it comes a point where society will say to you, look, okay, hello, it's time to come back into society. We need you back at work. Your kids need a mom, you know, like you, you got other commitments that you need to start, you know, you need to start stepping back into your life. Right. And that's really hard because you, you are not the same person that you were before the grief event happened. And so you're trying at this point in the functional stage of grief, you're trying to step back into society and function. And sometimes you feel like you can do that being doing the same things that you did before. But things around you will have changed, especially if you've lost a spouse or you've gotten divorced or when there's been a partnership change, you will find that a lot of people who are in those couples groups really won't know how to hand to, to support you because a they don't want to upset you by inviting you to a couple's night because now you don't have your partner or b if it was a divorce situation maybe they chose the other side and so your social support also changes which makes a big difference and you may not want to be around them either because it's too much of a reminder of what you've lost sure so that's so- twofold right yeah yeah so you're saying that uh, the first then the first me- the first method mm-hmm. to the madness no just yes kidding. the first method is to not judge your emotions correct That's that is the first it, yes. step right yeah. let yourself feel let yourself feel, give yourself compassion and support to feel the way you feel. I've had people I've coached who've been so angry. I'm like, what do you want to do? She's like, I just want to some China. Okay, great. Let's go to Value Village or the, the Salvation Army store. We'll grab, we'll buy a cheap set of dishes. Let's go break them. And that's what they need to do. Other people are like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I want to, you know, I just want to hibernate in my house, close all the doors and windows. Great. Okay. I'm going to check in on you every day though, to make sure that you're still okay. People will deal with grief the way that they will deal with grief and they know themselves best. The best thing we can do though, is still be there, check on them, like physically go over and check on them and even just sit with them and say, I have absolutely no idea. I have no idea what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. I think that, but I think it's better than a phone call. A hundred percent. Call them. I mean, they I, won't I don't answer. Think, don't. <laughs> they call, won't answer the no. phone. No. no. And not only that, because you know, I remember someone was trying, and everything that they said, because it was over the phone, and you can't really have that. Everything that mm-hmm. they said was just completely off. I wasn't mm-hmm. feeling it, you know. And I just had to. I said, I can't talk right now. You know, I can't yep. do this because yep. they wanted to console, but from their perspective they wanted to more mm-hmm. speak than allow me to speak right they want to try to yeah. like think that their words of comfort would be comforting but it's not no I think it's just if you're gonna call just sit there and be quiet mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> I, I don't know yeah. for me I think that was no that's like, and you know what that's a hundred percent I encourage people I'm like if you want to support someone go and sit beside them and yeah. just tell them that you're there for them whatever they need yeah. and that if they want to express their feelings and cry this is a safe space to do that give them permission to feel that's the biggest thing is give them permission to grieve give them permission to feel and let them and be there for them and it's so healing and it's so healing the physical presence of your friend being there you know and just listening to you and saying Mm -hmm. hey you don't look so hot and just and allowing you, even because even, that's what one of my friends did, like, you do not look 
like mm-hmm. you look like you're going through some stuff and I was like mm-hmm. I am yeah <laughs> I am going through it you know but it allowed me to just say it and she just sat with me and we went to a park mm-hmm. and she just sat with me yeah. and just listened to me and that was the best gift that anyone has ever given me Mm-hmm. when it came through my own grieving process so one of my questions was going to be what can someone do mm-hmm. to help someone through their grieving process I think we just discussed that right I think we just physically, discussed that yes physically be there don't yeah. do the phone call thing it's going because they can't see you they can't see your mm-hmm. facial expressions the words are going to come out very differently than what you mean it to come out and so they're going to mm-hmm. you know they're going to take it a different way because they feel like you don't understand but yeah. if you're there physically with them and you can see them and they can see you, you know, it just, it will help them to heal. Absolutely. And as the person who's grieving, you often don't know what to ask for either. And you don't want to inconvenience or upset yes. or make someone uncomfortable. So when people say, what do you need? You're like, oh, I'm okay. It's okay. Yeah. When really... Yeah you might say, I really need you to be here to just give me a hug. Like I had a couple of really close girlfriends that came up when it happened for me and they just sat there and literally I lay on their lap and cried. And that was the best thing that yes. could have happened. And there was no talking, no judgment. Yes. It was just holding space for me to feel. And yes. I think as, if that, you know, the best support you can give to someone who is grieving is just to physically be there. You don't even have to talk. Yep. You know, you just need to give them permission to feel and express their emotions. And that is the biggest, biggest, biggest thing I think right now. Yeah. And, because then and they no feel judgment. Seen. Yeah, they feel seen. Like I'm going, can, because sometimes you're like, man, no one knows how I feel, right? Mm-hmm. Can't express it. And when someone says, and, and I know this name, I don't know, for me, it was like when, when she just came out, I knew how I was feeling. But when she came out and she said, man, you don't look so great, you know, Mm -hmm. it honestly took a weight off my shoulders. Like, man, she's seeing me. She, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I don't, I'm not alone in this. She sees where I'm at and I'm trying to hold it together, but you know, so yeah. Yeah. So thank you for that. And I, and I hope our listeners can have that and and take that away because Mm -hmm. sometimes when someone is going through that grieving process you know you don't know what to say no so don't say anything just be there just be there there and let them know that you're there for them just say i'm here for you whatever you need yes so and and keep being there because what happens is after a few weeks or a few months people drop off because the grieving the person who's grieving if they're still grieving others have moved on with their lives right yes. it's not their grief it's someone else's and so it's still being able to be that person to continue to show up for them and be there for them and, and it's it it can be exhausting for other people too right and so it but it's it's giving people the space to grieve the way they need to is really important. yeah of course of course it can be exhausting yeah. you know especially like if you know someone that has lost someone you know it may trigger things in you and 100 you know, percent Oh, of course it will going through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So after all that crazy physical (laughs) survival mode, we move into the functional mode when people are getting back into society, they're moving back out there, they're trying to fit back into their jobs, their role. Oftentimes they're doing it sort of 
second nature because they know it and their body remembers how to do things, but they may not be physically present. This is the time when you're functioning where if you haven't really been dealing with your grief, where you start having meltdowns and those emotional eruptions and things are unstable and you're really not sure and you're trying to fit in and realizing that you're not the same person that you were before and the people around you aren't recognizing are trying to fit you back into the mold that you were because they don't recognize that you've changed either because outwardly you still look the same but internally you're very different and so this functional stage is us trying to function in society and a lot of people get stuck in that functional grief stage they go out they do it because they're not dealing with their grief properly or not I don't even like the word properly they're not dealing with it effectively in a way that will allow them to move forward either they feel guilty for moving forward or they don't know how to grieve or they're afraid to grieve and they or they bury it a lot of people will just bury it and ignore it and hope that it'll go away but then eventually what happens is you have this sort of pivotal moment and some people will go backwards at that pivotal moment and some people that will be the the instigator for them to take the step forward into empowered grief. And so I don't see my the progress in my stuff as linear. I think with grief, we bounce all over the place, right? We may step back a little closer to messy and then move forward again. But once people have and have decided that, okay, I can't continue to go on this way. That's really the pivotal moment is like, I can't, I can't continue to function this way. I cannot move forward this way and I can't keep being this sad or I can't keep, you know, not showing up for my kids or not showing up for my job or not showing up for myself. Often showing up for ourselves is the last thing we think about. But there's that pivotal moment where you decide, okay, it needs to be different. How am I going to be different? And that's quite often the stage that I end up working with women is because they've made this decision like, okay, now what? Now, what do I do? And a lot of it is in the empowered stage is looking at, okay, what have you not dealt with? Let's deal with that, right? Let's feel those emotions. Let's release those emotions. Let's, let's start exploring ways that are effective for you that when you get triggered, because you will always be triggered, maybe not as often as the time goes by, but you will always be triggered. I still cry in the car if a song comes on or I hear a quote yeah, from a book still gonna, or something. There's still yeah, times, still right? And so those it's moments, yeah. Exactly. And so how do you, first of all, give yourself permission to feel those moments? How are you going to react in those moments? What is your game plan? Let's come up with some ideas. And, and understanding that your game plan might be in place, but it still may not work because you might be overcome with emotion. And so it's, okay, let's tackle the grief and where is it at? But let's look at how do you move forward with it Take, understanding what you've learned from the grief, that it is a part of you. How do you honor yourself? How do you honor that memory of the person if you've lost a person or the event that you, you're grieving over? What do you want to take forward with you and remember? You know, is it the picture of your mom? Is it her scarf because it smells like her perfume? Is it your husband's sweater that smells like him? Is it, you know, a photo album? Or is it just a feeling like, I want to remember when we were really happy? Or I want to remember how it made me feel when they smiled at me. Those are things I want to bring forward. So then it's like, well, what do you want to release? What do you want to let go of? Well, I want to let go of the bitterness and I want to let go of the anger and I want to let go of the guilt. I don't want to feel guilty anymore. I don't want to feel angry anymore. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to remember our fights. I don't want to remember the bad stuff. So it's, I work with them to start picking and choosing. How do you want to move forward? 
And then it's like, well, now that you have an idea of what you want to bring forward with you, who do you want to be? Let's look at consciously creating this new identity for who you are. Who are you now that you've gone through the grief? Who do you want to be and how do you want to show up in the world? And so we work a lot on identity. And it's not that you're a completely different person. There's all, all of you before grief is there, but now you have this experience that's been internalized. And so how do you want to be now? And for a lot of women, especially if they've lost a spouse, it's a time for them to step into who they are. I've had women start businesses and go traveling and do the crazy things they've never thought they would ever do. And others, it's just, I need to incorporate things into my life and be a different person in a different way. And sometimes it's, I need to find a new tribe of people to be around because the ones that I had from my past are not supportive. And so in that empowerment stage, it's the stage where you decide to make the choices and you start taking control over your grief and how you want to deal with it, how you want to incorporate it, how you want to move forward. So that's the method, the transformational methodology is moving people through messy to functional to empowered grief and being able to give people the tools and the confidence to do these things for themselves. And, you know, I also want to interject and say, Mm -hmm. that sometimes grief is not just about losing a loved one or losing someone around you it can also be maybe losing yourself Mm -hmm. you know maybe you've gone through something gone through something traumatic and you lost a part of you you know and you're grieving that loss of Mm -hmm. who you used to be and now you gotta be you know upfront with who you are now and who you want to be right mm-hmm. so I do want to let that be known because sometimes we can just think in just such an, a linear fashion Correct. or a linear way but yeah. really grieving is not something that is just on losing someone it could be no. like you said an event or mm-hmm. you know something that you've gone through or you realize that you're not where you wanted to be you know no. in your life or you know, it could be so many things. And so, you know, a lot of emotions can be centered around that. So, Mm -hmm. and the thing about it is getting through that is Mm -hmm. the method that you're speaking about, right? Mm -hmm. That, that can get you through and get you to that empowerment grief, right? Mm -hmm. That level, that's where Mm -hmm. you want to get to, right? Yeah. Empowered grief. Yeah. Where you're honoring your grief and you're, you're incorporating it into who you are now. And you're, you're giving room for that to be there. To speak to what you were just saying about the different types of grief, there are so many different things that can contribute to grief. It doesn't have to be just a death. It could be, I didn't get the promotion that I was expecting. I was bullied as a child. I've been domestic, I have, you know, a victim of domestic violence. I've struggled with infertility. I've had miscarriages. It could be any loss or change at all. And I've developed a grief scale that I I do with my clients and I do in in workshops that's just 30 things, but I think I'm going to expand it to 50 where we go through and it's like all these events in your life that could have happened. And then you put them on the scale, like from one or zero to 50 or zero to 30, where do you fall on that scale? And for a lot of people, they are absolutely blown away by how much they've experienced that could connect to grief that they weren't even aware of. And I think bringing that to the forefront and bringing that to people's awareness is so important to understand the first steps of healing, like, you know, breaking up with your first love when you were in high school. It's a lot of grief around that, but how long did you actually give yourself time to feel that being bullied as a child? 
how long have you, you know, failing your driver's license, not getting into your choice of college, like all of these things are losses or disappointments. And there's this, there's an element of grief attached to them. And they, if you don't, because you don't recognize them as grief, <laughs> you don't deal with them. And so it just bit, piles up and piles up and piles up and piles up. And that's where the compounded grief becomes okay. so impactful. <laughs> we, okay. So we've talked a lot of heavy stuff. And then what is one thing joyous or positive that you can leave us with? Oh, that to remember that you're not alone. It may feel like you're alone, but people really want to help. They just don't know how. And I think one of the things that I've learned going through my own grief journey and watching my daughter is just be there for yourself, let yourself feel and trust that you will come out the other side and you have a choice. You always have a choice in how you deal with your grief. It's not easy and it would take a lot of courage for a lot of people, but if you truly want to move forward, you have a choice in how you can do that. So that's sort of my positive for there is to let people know that they are empowered to have that choice. Amen. I would mm -hmm. say order a pizza, get <laughs> your favorite drink, watch a feel good movie. <laughs> mm -hmm. There you go. There you go. Let Just honor how you feel. Nothing. Yep. Just let yep. do nothing. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Margaret. Mm. Where can people find you? Oh my goodness. Okay. So they can find me on my website at www.evolvecoaching.com. And there's no E on the end of evolve. It's E-V-O-L-V coaching.com. I'm also on LinkedIn under my name, Margaret Dennis, and also under evolve coaching and Instagram and Facebook. And yeah, so you can reach out anytime. Let me know what I can do to help you. And yeah, thanks very much. And thank you very much for having me today, Linda. I really enjoyed our conversation. Oh, thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you have a chance, stop by the website at lindamendable.com. Sign up for the Blog Cure, which is an awesome, awesome course that I created that will help you set up your blog or take your blog to the next level and join us over at Monetizing Mompreneurs Facebook group. I just want to say again, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.